Breaking. <laughs> I can't even do it. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hi, guys. How you doing? Welcome to episode 170 of the Brain Candy Podcast. Wow, that, we we're, we're getting old. We're up on 200. <laughs> we're getting old up in here. Yeah. And I love it. I love every minute of Wisdom. it. Wisdom. Wisdom. Yes. Somebody hopped on the podcast and was like, sent me a tweet and was like, hey, I just started listening. I'm at episode eight and I love it. And I was like, No. Don't listen to those. I, I feel like, like that skip too. Forward, skip forward. I swear we really got into our rhythm at about episode 28. Yeah. I mean. I don't know. There are still treasures in those treasures. oldies. The but... dating one will forever and always be my favorite. Online dating yeah. is always going to be one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> nothing is funnier than clown dating and Susie's reaction to clown dating. Well, my favorite is by far the Mad Pooper. Oh, I will never okay. that ever weird. stop laughing about that. Just your, I could go oh, on and on. I could God. do a whole episode about why that's funny to me, but I'll spare you. Oh, all right, let's get things cooking. On today's episode. Um. Okay. I read an article that was in the New Yorker about um the weird relationship between. Milne, the author of Winnie the Pooh. Oh, oh, A.A. Milne, yeah. And his son, Christopher Robin Milne. Yes, yes. And uh, just, it really was about the complicated history of the author and then how it affected his son, but because he was named after one of the, one of the characters was named after him. I didn't think about that. And one of the Brainiacs suggested in a tweet that I read about Milne and his life, because there's a a movie coming out, I uh, not a documentary, but an actual regular movie about him. And so actually it's called Goodbye, Christopher Robin. Oh. So let me give you some of the info because I think it's so fascinating. I mean, parental sort of like how they screw us up is always interesting. Because there's nobody who doesn't, you know, but, every parent yeah. has an influence on their child in I think good and bad ways. I told you there was, there's a Bible verse that says we're all punished for the sins of our parents. And I always thought that was Ooh. a weird verse until I was like, no, wait, we actually are. Like maybe not directly, but what? their life has such an impact on us and the way they parent or don't parent or whatever. So in this case, we can see it. And I think it's so interesting because Winnie the Pooh is beloved. Yeah. It's been, uh, been so soothing to so many people. That's what I was going to say. Seen as a way for parents and children to connect and yeah. like come together. And that was always like what my mom and I yeah. sang songs about together and read together. And, okay, so let's start with A.A. A. Milne was a guy who went to war. And came back, not the same as many soldiers do, was very affected. I'm sure he would now be someone who would be considered to have PTSD. Oh, yeah. Um, and wanted to write a story that described the war and and deal with that kind of thing. But, like, nobody wanted it. <laughs> so that was his what his heart desired. But in the meantime... Uh, his wife left, the nanny left, and he's there with his son. His wife left him? Yeah, but like not to get divorced, but she went off frolicking, and that's going to be shown in the movie. And mm-hmm. so he's there with his son, so he had to spend a ton of time with Christopher Robin Milne, and they would go off on these adventures, which my husband and son often do, and they, yeah. whatever, they go fishing or whatever. And it's this really special thing that Milne had, had never really enjoyed children and uh, he was finally experiencing like that thing mm-hmm. that when you're with a kid 
And so he was inspired by it and decided to write these stories. And Christopher Robin in the books is, of course, named after the sun and then said to be the Eeyore represented A.A. Milne character. Yeah. More or less. Depressed. But yeah. And so then Christopher Robin has basically like trotted out to promote the books and like people wanted to, oh, like a piece of him yeah. and everywhere he went, they wanted to talk about it because these books were so successful. And um, the the movie is said to deal with all these issues of like war and peace, privacy and fame, parent uh, and child. And, um, and the sadness that Milne probably had that Winnie the Pooh wasn't his intended legacy. He wanted his legacy to be this other big important thing. But he missed that this is important too. Like touching yeah. the children's lives is is equally, if not more important. What um, did he want to be known for? Just for the book kind of about a... the war. Okay, yeah, okay, okay, that okay. writing. Yeah, and more like you know heavy stuff. And uh, the son in the movie says, and I believe is quoting uh, Christopher Robin directly. My father got where he was by standing on my infant shoulders <gasps> and left me with empty fame. And Christopher Robin never took any of the money that was oh owed to him. Like after his father died, he refused to take a penny of it because he was so conflicted about all of it. That's real. Yeah. And he ended up owning a bookstore with his wife, living a very simple life. He had a daughter who had, I believe, cerebral palsy, um, but that they separated themselves from the, the legacy of Winnie the Pooh. Who would think? Wow. I mean, not to be a downer, oh, I just think God. it's so interesting. There's always a dark story behind those. And it's so, the, those books aren't just lovely. They're so like sweet. And yeah. who would think they had such a, you know, terrible yeah. impact on the people involved? Oh, dang. That's interesting. Sus. I want to see the movie though. Yeah. That kind of reminds me of the one that was done, uh, I think it was called Mr. Banks. Yeah. I loved that movie. I didn't end up seeing it, but that did look oh interesting. Oh my gosh, Suze, it's so good. Same idea or what? Well, it's about who the the woman who wrote Mary Poppins yes. wrote it loosely based on this idea of her father and the Mr. Banks that she, the father that she wrote about wasn't who Disney portrayed the father to be. In the movie Mary Poppins, really, she was writing about a dad who was a drunk and really distant and would create a fairy book story tale world in order to connect with them, but really was couldn't keep his real life together and like right. only existed as a father in that fairy tale. Oh, God, it gives me goosebumps because I know that this is a real thing that a lot of, I mean, I'm sure mothers too, but especially fathers who don't know how to express their emotions and get kind of locked in this like fantasy world of a connection with their children where it's not a real connection to the children or their emotions. It's a connection to the stories and to the like fantasy. of. Wow. It's a good movie. I mean, I like look at it. I looked as kind of read in between the lines of it that way. But How funny is it that like those movies are considered classics, but like my kid won't even sit through Mary Poppins. Like, we always put it on because my really? husband's British, so he loves all those oldies but <laughs> yeah. goodies. And it's just very long and, you know, kind of 
dull yeah. compared to what they have available to them now. Right. Like Not the desires the of kids have changed. Yes. And he'll watch it, but he gets distracted and like won't sit through the whole thing. It's it's quite a long movie for a little kid. Yeah, it's kind of quite a long movie for an adult. <laughs> Maybe uh, Mrs. Banks could have edited it a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> Maybe she could have done that. A little uh, less story, yeah. madam. I'll tell you who needs more story, your kids. And they can get more stories at wonderbly.com. Here's the scoop. You guys have probably heard us talking about it before, but these children's books are so lovely and they're keepsakes and they're really special because you can personalize them for the children in your life. Basically, you can go to wonderbly.com and you can pick the book. They have some for younger kids, some for older kids, and you personalize it so you can get it for your own children or if you're going to a birthday party or Christmas or baby shower or whatever, you choose the name of the character in the book to match the person in your life. You can make the character look like the kid in your life. And then you can add all these cool uh, characters that you think that the kid would enjoy. And it's really special. And I read our book to, we have a couple actually, but we read them to our son all the time and he loves them. We recently got the My Golden Ticket book, which is the Willy Wonka one. And you can add it with a scent of chocolate to the whole book. It's freaking adorable. And we wanted to give you guys a bargain. So if you go to wonderbly.com, which is W-O-N-D-E-R-B-L-Y.com and enter your little one's name for a full preview of their story, then you can enter code BRAINCANDY at checkout to get 15% off your order. And I know you guys are doing this because you keep sending me tweets saying that you've ordered them for your friends or your own kids, so I know that you're loving them. Um, but go to wonderbly.com, look at all the different books and how special they are, and get yours for a bargain when you use our code BRAINCANDY. Um, did you see the Burger King anti-bullying Thanks. Yes. Let's discuss. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I was like, where are they going with this? <laughs> right. My favorite is when he just punches Wait. the burger. Explain to them what, the what it is. Okay. <laughs> where so are they, going they have a, a kid set up acting out um, uh, a group of kids bullying one uh, uh, another kid. At Burger King. At Burger King. And they're like teasing him and making fun of him and everything. And seeing if anybody will step in. And yeah. then they cut to <laughs> the scene of the people making the hamburgers. The cooks. The cooks. And the hamburgers will get put together. And then all of a sudden the cook will just smash it. He'll punch it. Just like punch the burger. Right. And, and for, But may I say, kudos to the cook for his commitment to that role. Oh, yeah. Because he put, I mean, I don't think my sound effect could have really like, it was like a yeah like he punches it like he's mad like that that burger owes him money right and then every single person who had a smashed in burger comes up and says dude what 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 the heck and he goes oh did you want that bullied or unbullied oh you wanted an unbullied you you didn't say you wanted an unbullied or bullied burger and he goes okay wait let me just get this straight you're reporting the bullied hamburger Okay, now, did you want to report the actual bullying that's going on or just the burger that's being bullied? <laughs> and people didn't even know what to do. I think it was something crazy, like only 17% or set. It's Isn't it something really? Yeah. I think it was 17% of people reported, reported the, the bullying. bullying. Yeah. But everybody reported a bullied hamburger. And they said, like, the end of it is like, who are you going to, are you going to stand up and 
report the bullies or whatever it says. And I was like, I'm, I don't know, but I'm really hungry for a hamburger. <laughs> That's probably the whole point. What did you think? Like, were you, did you think, I love this ad? It's I did. A, I yeah. thought, I, I loved it because um, it does keep your attention. You know, the, the report a bully thing has kind of been done before. You know, there's that show where they catch them on camera and like, what would you do or yeah. whatever. And... I think when you put something as silly, it, it kind of puts into perspective what's important for us, and maybe we need to change our priorities a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I really loved the people who stepped in. Me too. How about that one girl who like sat down with him, and he he was like, "Have you ever been bullied before?" And she's like, "More than you even know." Like this yeah. was my, and I was like, "Oh, that's so good." I would stand up to a bully. I mean, I would step in. At I my would side. too, but I wouldn't be as tactful as that lovely woman. She was great. She did it with such ease, and she took her tray over to the table and just sort of made her presence known and was just calm and said hello to everyone. Mm-hmm. And Including I, the bullies. I would be like, "Oh, motherfucker!" <laughs> like I would make such a scene, and yeah. it would be like it would become about me. And that—that's a really, really, really good. Um, observate like kind of self-reflection to have yeah and i wouldn't i want to be like her so i thought it was good to see her do it and i thought okay i can mimic i often felt like that after i watched the challenge when i when i was back on in like early days i would notice myself jumping into the middle of fights to kind of do the right thing and break it up or or but it then became more about me being the hero and breaking it up. So after I want, I can't remember what season it was, but I said, you know what? From here on out, oh, it was Battle of the Seasons. I said, from here on out, I'm gonna pull somebody, like pull them aside, do it quiet. So there are so many times. Oh, uh, here's a perfect example. On Rivals 3, people jumped on Twitter and were like, I can't believe you oh, didn't yeah. jump in and stand up for. Um, uh, uh, who the heck was it? Sh- um, was it Cheyenne getting? I cannot yeah, remember. Was, yes, I yes. think it was. And yeah. I, Jenna and all them, and they were like, what? And I said, are you kidding me? What you don't see is she and I had an hour-long-plus conversation outside about where what this meant and, you know... How, like, this is just part of a whole system that's fucked up and da-da-da-da. Like... Nobody wants to put that on TV. So, you know, it turned into, like, I care more about making sure the person is okay than it being about making a GD television show. Yeah. And I even got, I mean, I this remember is, like, almost that. making it about me right no, now. No, I remember but, that. People were very mad, and they yes. said, how come you say you're a feminist, but you're not being an advocate for her? And I was absolutely an advocate, but I just don't feel like... And I also feel like that about doing good things and um, positive... You know, in anything you do, like volunteering or helping or anything, like, you know, it's what you do without the need for recognition that is the most important. Yeah. And what do you do when there's no camera rolling and no f- pictures being flashed? I mean, that's a pretty difficult thing to navigate in your in the reality TV yeah, situation yeah, yeah. where the whole thing is designed to be uh, a spectacle. Right. And so true. whether you're the hero or the villain in whatever scene, like... It's not supposed to be subtle or nuanced. It's like supposed to be you're a good guy. They even have yes. seasons, good guys good and guys, bad right. guys. Oh my gosh. You know, you're totally right. And I just saw um, a picture from that season and that I did Inferno three good guys versus bad guys. And Johnny's on the good guys team. I'm on the good guys <laughs> team. That probably wouldn't be the case anymore. But like, 
what does that even mean? Right. What's a good guy and a badass or whatever? Um, but that's because those systems are designed to not have any gray area at all. Right. But don't you think that, like, with regard to the bullying in particular, like, it's sometimes hard to know what the right thing to do is because to get involved could escalate things and you have to really have discernment. Yeah. So. But I feel like when you see the, when the age is right and when, I mean, yeah, when the there's kids involved, in, yeah, please. the age at which bullying usually takes place, there's no adult who couldn't step in and have some sort of impact, like positive impact on that situation with the right approach. Well, you know what has had a positive impact on my situation? Beautiful, new, luxurious sheets. Oh, my God. My situation is so good in my bed right now. <laughs> if you want to get your situation going, you need some Brooklyn and sheets. Here's the scoop. Uh, these folks made – it's a, a couple that were, like, going to hotels and being like, why are these sheets so much better than our own mm-hmm. house? And we're like, let's sort it out. So, And it's a perfect – thing for holiday gifting season, which is coming oh, up too. Oh my gosh, yes. Because you know you have family members that their bed situation so is You have to go nope. and be a guest at their house. Might as well <laughs> right. just get them nice sheets for Christmas, then you know what you're sleeping on. They, even though quality sheets make for quality sleep, most high-end bedding is marked up by 300% by the time it reaches the store. So Brooklyn makes the quality luxury sheets and bedding accessible to everyone. And it is a great gift idea. Um Basically, here's the scoop, how you can get a deal. Uh, because we love our Brooklyn and Sheets, and we think if you try them, you'll love them too. Brooklinen.com has an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can get 20 bucks off and free shipping when you use promo code BRAINCANDY at brooklinen.com. In fact, Brooklyn is so confident you'll love your new sheets, they offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all their sheets and comforters. There's no reason not to give them a try for yourself or as a gift this holiday season. Give the gift of luxury sheets, which I had never even thought of that, and it's a great idea. Great. Oh, um, could you imagine if somebody got you a nice set of white sheets? I oh. would be very excited, and I'd think, <sighs> why didn't I think of that? Beautiful gift. <laughs> the only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code BRAINCANDY at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code BRAINCANDY. They're the best sheets ever. They really are. I'm just happy that they have that little extra flap on the pillowcase. Me too. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's so subtle, but it makes all the difference in the world because I was washing my Brooklyn ones, so I used other ones. And seeing the pillowcase, you know how it's open on some? Yes. Drove me nuts. I was like, I can't believe that it's such a little detail that Brooklyn and thought of. Yes. But makes all the difference and I don't have to look at the white. Yes. You know. Gross edge Mm -hmm. of your weird pillow. So thank you, Brooklyn, for thinking of everything. (laughs) Um, oh, but going back to the Burger King thing, yeah. uh, did you see also that um, Google has a burger emo- cheeseburger emoji? Uh-huh. Uh, is it smashed? No, <laughs> no oh. but it has the cheese under the patty. That is not okay. <laughs> Look at that's up. wrong. Of course, it's wrong. Who's making burgers and being like bottom bun cheese? <laughs> Burger well, you know what? Toppings. That shows you that whoever made it, it was not designed, you know. Does it? What well, does it show you? It shows me that they were trying to be different. No. <laughs> vegetarian. No. Wait, that was on, you mean that's on the Google one? That's what I said. Okay. Google it, emoji. Because regular emo- But that's Google what I'm thinking. emojis? I, I guess. GD do they have phones like Google? Oh. That they're coming out with? 
Yeah. And I guess that's the emoji. Okay, so maybe iPhone has got the cheese on top. Monopoly. Yeah. (laughs) And you're just getting the crummy cheese in the the middle. If you're going to do that, at least give it two patties and put the cheese in between or something. Yeah. Because you need the cheese as the glue. Don't you feel bad for Jewish people that can have dairy together? Yeah, and Mm. meat. I sure do. I mean, not really because my husband's Jewish and he seems to have zero effect <laughs> on his life. not or observant. Or consumption. I would not call him an active Jew. No. Jew-ish. <laughs> but tell me, you you consider it the glue. I'm sorry. Uh, I interrupted oh, oh, that. That's it. That's what just, do you mean? Well, because the it's glue supposed to hold the burger together. So the cheese then sticks to the bun and that sticks to the burger so that you don't squeeze the hamburger and it all goes out the side. Yeah. I was watching a sandwich making video. Why? On like Pinterest or it was like okay. tips on how what? to make sandwiches. Like how to make the best sandwich and what ingredients you should put on the top and bottom to make it so that you need something with some friction so that when you squeeze the sandwich, it doesn't all just go out the other side. you know how that happens? No. No, I don't. And I do not also know how it happens that you would be sitting on Pinterest being like, wait, I don't know how to make a sandwich. I do. I was just like looking up, you know, sometimes they have like 101 ways you can make your lunch more interesting and it'll have different ideas. And then it was a video on how to, listen, sometimes I get in holes. (laughs) There was outrage actually. Um, because the food network did an amazing, you know how they have those videos that are like incredible sandwich hack that will change the yeah, way you make yeah, your lunch. Go on. And it was how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That's like this amazing hack. Uh, I do know. And I know what it's going to be peanut butter on both sides of the bread, jelly in the middle. Then it doesn't get mushy when you put it in the lunch bag. Is that it? That would have been a good hack. Yeah. This was putting peanut butter mm-hmm. on a tray, uh, in a flat like kind of like how you make fudge, okay. like flat on a tray, yeah. putting it in your freezer and then taking it out, cutting it into squares no, <laughs> so that you can then just take it out of your freezer, put the square on your sandwich, mm. like pre-made peanut butter squares. No, I'm not okay with that. That's insane. Yeah, that is insane. That seems like a lot of extra work. Of course. Like, do you know how simple it is to smear peanut butter? No joke. <laughs> And I just gave you the solution as to how to not have it soggy. It's really simple. I agree with you. I do put the peanut butter on both, both sides. Both slices. Jelly in the middle. Yeah. No need because then it creates a barrier because if you go jelly on oh, straight bread, big mistake. Huge. Rookie sandwich making move. It ruins the bread. You can see through it. Yes. Nobody wants a translucent PB&J mm-mm, mm-mm, if you ask mm-mm, me. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> uh-uh. Um, okay, moving on. When was the last time you had a PB&J? Oh, not, I mean, seventh grade. Really? What about you? Like, kind of recent. What? I know, I made one the other day. I would rather go hungry. That's what? a waste of calories what for me. What is wrong? Are you kidding? Hang on a sec. <laughs> Freaking Reese's Pieces over here wants to tell me that a peanut butter and jelly sandwich isn't an awesome snack. I am going to tell you that. A snack? Do you know how many calories a PB&J sandwich is? Probably like... 500? Yeah, so if I'm going to eat 500 calories, it's going to be a lot tastier than that. Okay. That's just my policy. I have nothing against them. <laughs> I think if that sounds 
You seem Delicious. like the kind of gal that would love the Uncrustables brand. No, 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 no. <laughs> Definitely not. You're pro crust. I'm what? pro crust, and I'm pro making your. I'm I'm oh. I'm anti anything that comes in more than one package. Like more than if it's a box inside of. I'm like this is. I don't like anything like that. In fact, I even make my own breakfast sandwiches a week in advance. That's why I know about the cheese being the glue. <laughs> That's how you crack the case. Because I do a pan <laughs> of eggs like that you put in the oven, and then I cut that into six like six squares, and then I set it all up, and then I wrap everything up in, uh, what do you call it, that parchment paper, and then mm-hmm. I line them all up in my refrigerator, six of them in a special little container. That's cool. And then you just get one out, and you microwave that for 45 seconds, and boop. You're a fun person because there really is no gender going on. Like You do it all. You yeah. do the girly stuff and the manly stuff. Man, did you see the cool Halloween decorations that I... I mean, I should have been an art director. Those pipes? Yeah. I mean... Turned into a gate? My husband was like, <laughs> I don't even know what you did with those things. I don't even know how to cut those. Yeah, it, I don't get it. And I love that about you. I don't Thank have you, that Suze? situation going on with myself, but <sighs> There are so a great. lot of other things I don't do well, so there you go. <laughs> well, uh, I read an article recently about how... Oh, you can choose. Do you want to hear about I love choosing. how millennial millennials are um, demonstrating spirituality? Or would you mm. like to hear about um, a woman who pretended to like wine? Oh, let's do spirituality. Okay. So a lot of people say they're spiritual but not religious. This is particularly <laughs> true of millennials. Um, they you know, don't go to church anymore, but they don't want you to think they're vapid losers. Right. So... Um, the way that they're expressing their spirituality is through things that you wouldn't expect, like, because they're also big on science. Yes. But they are going for tarot cards, psychics. I know. Um, astrology. And, like, even if you go to Urban Outfitters, they sell sage and, yes. like, different hocus pocus stuff <laughs> there, which I'm fine with. I'm not judging, but I do think it's a little bit incongruent with their alleged passion for for science. What are your thoughts? I waver back and forth on this. Well, yeah, because you're a big, you know. I know. What do you call it? Like when someone's guilty. Uh, a hypocrite? Because <laughs> I like to say I'm all about science, but then I'm going to like wave my sage around and like make sure that I, like, okay, for example, I've been talking to my mom about a lot about how as soon as I started working in actual sessions with people, I feel like I can just tap in to another person's like emotions in a way that I notice other students don't do the same. They kind of stay more inside themselves. And it's really easy for me to take on the emotions and feel the emotions of the other person that I'm in a session with. Right. And I told my mom this, and she goes, well, that's because you're psychic. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, mom. And I think I talked about this on here before, about how she no, wants me to privately. call it remote viewing. Private. Oh, yeah. So my mom was like, well, you know what? We'll just call it remote viewing because that's what you sciencey people like to call it. So we'll call it you doing that. And I was like, oh, whatever. And I was telling my mom that after I did this session, I could not shake. Like, I went home, and I just was still feeling so emotional. And my mom said, well, you need uh, black tourmaline. 
And I was like, what are you talking about? She was like, you know, black tourmaline crystal. Like, you need to wear the stone, and that stone will, like, keep the negative stuff, and it'll, it's almost like cutting the cord. It, like, keeps it so you remain in you, and they remain in them, and their energy doesn't da-da-da. And I thought about it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go out and get this black tourmaline, and I'm going to wear it. And what even is it? It's a stone. It's just like, you know, like any, like a, like a gemstone, like, um, you know, they say like tiger's eye does this or, you know, quartz does this. It's another one of those kind of things. But if it, if I, I know through science that there's a, that the placebo effect works and that if you believe in something, whether it's like this pen or a rock or whatever, that that's shown to have a positive effect. So if I hold, if my, if I grow up with the idea that black tourmaline will help in blah 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 way, and I get it, I might through placebo effect. Really, I mean, if you want to look at it, that as the science, notice a difference. So, like, what's the harm in not trying it? Okay, it's time to commit. Twenty twenty four is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I saw recently on a Facebook ad that um, there was a lady doing a video and she was wearing this really pretty necklace that they then demonstrated that was clasped. And when it opened up, you could put in this like, I think it was actually a piece of charcoal that you could put whatever essential oil on it that you wanted so that throughout the day, if you were feeling anxious, you could sniff your lavender or whatever scent to make you feel better. And how I separately read an article in the New Yorker about the essential oils and how it's like sweeping the nation, especially with white uh, suburban uh, upper middle-class women. And that, I mean, I could go on and on about that article alone, but it's the same idea. And, and, Back in the day, essential oils were super fringe, uh, you know, like, as I said, hocus pocus, Mm -hmm. come on, you know, and now it's very mainstream in large part due to the way they're marketed and how two companies took over and Mm -hmm. and decided, no, 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 we're going to hit these rich white women. And, and like you're saying, if they believe it works Mm -hmm. for them, then great. That's fantastic. Beats being on meds. Well, and also, like, if you look at something like, okay, I see a lot of with the oils about it uh, relaxing children. Like, oh, yeah. this kind of going to... I think that if the mother thinks yeah. that this will react, relax the children, the mother's anxiety is calmed. And the children feed off of the feelings and emotions of the mother and can pick up those vibes. So if the mom is less anxious thinking that this oil is going to make her baby less anxious, the baby will in fact be less anxious. Yeah. And it's like a perfect circle. Of, Which is of, great. It works. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then, but the other, the other part where I'm like, okay, science, what the heck is going on here is I was just watching this thing on Vice News Weekly that was about microbiomes in our bodies and how because of antibiotics and because of a 
uh, because of not being exposed to bacteria and certain things like this, we see a rise in what they're, they really are thinking that this is leading to autism and cancers and things like that. And the communities where you do not see this, Amish communities, where they don't have that, and they said it could be because they're around animals, they're around all these bacterias and microbiomes that even if you are born via C-section, you do not have the same microbiomes yeah. that somebody born vaginally does. Right. And so I was, in this episode, they were talking about how now scientists are going into the jungles and looking at these remote communities and the bacteria and the microbiomes that are on them and saying that we almost need to get back to a more holistic way of healing things because the antibiotics that we have used have created an environment that's almost so sterile it's making us sick. Yeah. So I look at the I think it needs there needs to be a harm, harmonious blending of the two and understanding scientists need to kind of maybe open their minds a little bit more about what could there could be natural healing things because you talk to the right scientists they're like yeah everything's in the jungle we should definitely be need to be looking in there and another one's like we need to be in a lab doing everything in a lab so both of them are right though yeah i i agree there you do need to have both input from both sides because mm -hmm. like you know you read about the scandals with gwyneth paltrow's goop uh company no, i didn't hear about this well you know goop is like her yeah kind of like this now brand yeah. where she promotes a lot of the uh, holistic yeah. and alternative things. It, everything from candles to fucking like crystals and all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, doctors get real mad because she s says things that have a little bit of mm. a nugget of truth. For example, she told her in her newsletter, I think, uh, she basically encouraged people not to wear bras because said there was a link to breast cancer, which is not true. I think it's the other way around. I heard. That it, no, no. In this case, she was saying yeah. don't wear bra and because bras are bad. And then doctors are like, you're spreading false information. Right. So it, everyone gets mad yeah. and defensive. But uh, in the case of the millennials, they are extremely skeptical of anything that's structured like religion mm -hmm. um, and basically a dude at the top who says, here's what y'all have to do and I'm the boss. Mm -hmm. And so that's why these tarot and other things that have traditionally been female-centered are more appealing because there's not some guy at the top being like, this is how it has to be. And you kind of feel like you have a little more control over... And maybe that's kind of the narcissistic millennial thing where we feel like we don't need a... I'm sure it all, everything plays into, you know, there are a bunch of different factors at play here, I should say. Yeah. But uh, I think about how, you know, millennials are kind of like the me generation, mm -hmm. they call it, and how, you know, I can see and maybe, I don't know, a long time ago, people looking to a priest or somebody for guidance and a millennial thinking, nah, man, I got all the information I need online. I can find anything I want. Why would I go true, to this guy? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go and do the research myself. I'm going to find out what is the, you know, d figure it out themselves, I guess. Uh, I got a story for you. Okay. Do Would you like to hear about turtles and vibrators? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Yes. This is a really cute story, actually. Okay. okay, so this is this is silly and funny. 
So, uh... Researchers were studying turtles. Okay. As they should. As they should. And they were noticing that the numbers of turtles that they were reporting, the genders, like the breakdown in gender, seemed to be so off. It seemed like there were always a ton of females and never a ton of males, and they didn't know why. And they thought, maybe there's something wrong with how we are identifying males and females. And turtles happen to be one of the most difficult animals to do this with because their genitalia is really deep down on the inside and you can't tell them apart unless there's something wrong with them. So the researcher who was first interested in studying this recognized that uh, there was a problem because the, the turtles that he studied, all the males had a dwarfism gene, so they were smaller. And so it was really easy to tell the difference between the males and females. So then he was looking at other research and he was like, man, how come all their numbers about males and females are so off? And how come they can't tell the difference between males and females? And then he looked at their research and he was like, Oh, because nobody knows how the heck you find out what a turtle penis looks like. Nobody <laughs> knows how to get the check. They can't be, there's no little turtle skirts to lift up. So he's like, what do I do? And in the past, the best way to determine the turtle's gender was dissection. And that's horrible. You Wait. can't do that to turtles. And what'd they see in there? They well, they finally found the penis, like after they're able to, <laughs> to like they have to wait till it dies. They they're just kind of guessing on whether the male So this researcher this, this researcher me. was like, hmm, I wonder if we can masturbate turtles. So he went out and he bought a vibrator. And sure enough, he said, Turtles are not much different than we are. They too uh, are picky about what spots they like and what spots they don't like. And they'll also let you know when you've hit a good spot or not a good spot. Like they say that the turtles instantly relax if you hit the right spot and that they were like able to... Like a T spot. Yes. Like a T spot. Oh, that's so funny. And they said that they are having a, a lot of success in finding out whether they're males or females from masturbating the turtles with little, the actually regular size vibrators. That is insane to me. And that some turtles are into it and some turtles are not as into it. I mean, it's just like people. It is just like people. Yeah. And that you have to find their certain spot. And also that the spot is not the same on all the turtles. That's interesting. I mean, it's in the same general area, but you have to find, and they said, the best is that I thought, I was like, this must be just some guy's art. There's no way that this is like real. No, no. It's real. It's published. It's peer reviewed. It's an actual academic article that I read that talks about techniques on how to use it and what turtles like. And they like a light circle motion. And I was like, like, this is in an academic On their shell? On their shell, right around their coccyx, like, tail area. I'll I'll put this article that has a picture of and everything. Wow. It's really funny. What I'd like to see is a video. Oh, of it getting... I would like to see that, too. I mean, there's nothing crude about it. No, it's... And in fact, if you're like, hey, that sounds like turtle abuse, don't worry because (laughs) dissection is way worse. But look, this is how they're doing it. Researchers are using vibrators to give turtles boners. Oh, my God. It's exactly... I mean, I, I almost have the same model. Oh, my God. This is shocking. Yeah. 
Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Um, on my f- road rolls, we went to a crocodile farm, and crocodiles' genitalia are inside. Yeah, I guess and it's so, the same. Yeah, to find out if it were was a boy or girl, I had to put my fingers inside <gasps> the crocodiles <gasps> and feel around until I found a penis or not. Okay. And so there's a famous clip of me. Uh, no one else wanted to do it. So I was like, Suze, I'll do it. I had never even had sex. That's a check off your bucket list, kind of. Right. Like I wasn't even having sex with people, but I was like, because they call it sexing because it's gender, sexing a croc. Oh, sexing a, and you, sexing a croc also sounds like another word. <laughs> and I... <laughs> And I put my fingers up in there and I was like, and I had this Pittsburgh accent and I was like, I think I feel penis. Cause <laughs> oh my that's forever available to all of you. You're welcome. Wow. Hmm. And my friend Shane was like, why don't you rub its belly a little bit for us, Sue? Buy dinner, Sue's. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's interesting. Thank so, you for sharing you're that. Welcome. A little bit of info. Yeah. So I just like to think that there's some scientists out there who's like doing the, God's work and had to go to a store and buy a vibrator, but with <laughs> the thought of which one is the turtle going to like the most. Right. He really had to put himself inside somebody else's shell. <laughs> Good one. Okay. I read an article about, it was kind of like in the wake of the Weinstein thing. Mm -hmm. And it was about a woman who's disabled. And she was relating to the idea of how she has to go through her whole life with people touching her or her chair or like whatever without her consent. Yeah. It was a really strange mm-hmm. article, but I was glad I read it because I'm always happy to hear something I've never thought of. Right. And um, I'll put it in the newsletter as well, which you can sign up for on our website, thebraincandypodcast.com. So she was saying, like, the weird one of the weird things about living in an abled world is that People like think that they're helping you, mm-hmm. but they're imposing on your space often and like doing things without asking you because they, they have good intentions yeah. and, um, that does the, she give any examples of which one thing she said was how she has to make sure she's likable to everyone because people will only help a disabled person if uh-huh. they like them. Oof. And I thought about That's it and a I, lot of pressure. I actually could, I haven't been in that position knowingly, but if I didn't like a disabled person, I would be less inclined probably to help them out. And that's just something I had to face in my own mind and think about, like, what does that say about me? Yeah. But I suppose it's not really discrimination because I would be like that about able-bodied people too. Get the, <laughs> like, get the heck out of here. You're just more likely to help people yeah. you like. But that part of her everyday life is that to be to make her way in the world, she has to often touch other people with when she really doesn't want to as well. Mm-hmm. And that, um, in the medical field, they don't often ask permission. Like when you're in an appointment, I could imagine they just assume they can kind of like make way on your body mm-hmm. and man, I man. freaking never thought about it. 
Oof. So, and that would be terrible. I, you know what that makes me wonder is I wonder if male and female uh, experiences yeah, or, are different. Right. It would be interesting to know. For non-able-bodied individuals. But then the other problem is she's, like, annoyed also because she always has to, like, inform everybody. She's, like, sick of... It's kind of like how people of color yeah. are, like, figure it out for yourself. Stop right. depending on me to educate you. Right. And so that... If I met someone now, I'd probably want to ask them a million questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's probably rude of me to do that. Oh, yeah, that is. But you know me. I got questions. I can't well, help it. done the right way. I mean, there are questions that... Oh, I don't know. I'm... She called it forced intimacy. It it, it kind of is. And yeah. Then, and then I think it also, I, I just can think of how I, my feelings in the moment, and often we look at somebody who's less physically strong as child it, like childlike. Yeah. And so you, there's not the same respect or the, the same, they could be a, PhD with like a Nobel Prize and you, whatever, but we infantilize. Yes, them. Yeah. you infantilize them, and then you you like play to that more. Even in the way they talk, you talk to somebody is almost. I notice it. You know, I noticed it when I noticed how people start. This is so minor, but when Landon had his neck surgery, and people would do this like smile at him. Where it was like a smile of uncomfortability, but wanting to show that they're there. Yeah, like, like, oh my God, I've done that smile. Or like when someone loses somebody, there's always that, how are you? Mm -hmm. Like the pity. Mm -hmm. And even like people, when we would walk by, would do this like like fake smile as if to say, I am sorry. And also, I don't want to make it weird, but here's me accepting you with my smile. Right. It was like a look at me accepting you because I'm smiling. You know, when we were like sitting in the handicap seats at the movie theater. No. You know. Oh my god. Because he was handicapped. I mean, no, he was. I know. Like I, you so, just you never. Experienced I didn't notice it, it until, and yeah. then once I did, I started becoming aware of how I looked at people who were not able-bodied individuals, and I was like, oh man, I do that too. Mm-hmm. People are just people. Like, and also people. Sometimes Same it can feel like are, you know, <laughs> right. We need to remember that one too. There was a kid in my high school that was in a wheelchair and um it was one of those motorized ones mm-hmm. and he would like run over your feet on purpose. Yeah. I'm not into that I'm not scene. Into that either. I didn't like that forced intimacy, oh, yeah. Brad. Oh. Have you seen the show um Speechless yet? No. Oh, it's so cute. And I had one mom who listens uh and she said that she found that show because we talked about it, and thank you so much. Because oh, if that's you nice. know, well, even if you don't, I was going to say if you have know somebody who is in a wheelchair or is anything going through anything like that, like this is a great show that like normalizes it and makes it more like shows that like a family is a family no matter what they're dealt. And but then I'm like, if you're a regular person with a right whatever, mm-hmm. everybody should just watch it because it's good. It shows you that people are people, and. You know, we're all really just the same. If George H.W. Bush had pinched your butt uh-huh. or grabbed your butt and uh, did the old Copperfield joke, mm-hmm. would you have been torn because you love puns so much? Mm-hmm. And also magicians. <laughs> That's awesome. My brother was like, it's really impressive that he was so committed to that joke that right. he used it in reference to the magician 
and the, the book. book. <laughs> I know. I I was like, that is. You have to really do your research to know that you can use that no matter what subject comes up. <laughs> Would you have just laughed and been like, oh, teehee, or what? I probably, you know, I read the article that the woman who took a photo with him a couple years ago wrote where she said she brushed it off and she really didn't know how to act. And then the um, driver of the car said, I hope you'll have discretion about this. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Yeah. And I feel like I would have responded like she did, which was... Why should she have discretion? He didn't. And she... She... I mean, she was shocked, and she talked about it with her husband, I think, and whoever was in the car with her, but she didn't really know what to do with that information. And I mean, if it were me, I probably would have just laughed and had the best story ever to tell everyone, but that would have been wrong. Right, I I know. I would have done the wrong thing. Yeah, because to me, that is such a great story, and I'm a sucker for a good story. You know, if you start going, you know, part of me thinks it's okay because of his age. And then I start going backwards. I'm like, well, what, at what age is that creepy and totally wrong to do? And the answer should be at any. But also 90. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you're right. Absolutely. I totally agree. But it is one of those stories. You're like, oh my God, dude. Yeah. And poor Barbara had to keep rolling her eyes and being like, oh my God. Acting like it was a new joke. Because this is, like, a thing, too, where my dad is like this. He has, like, set jokes. He has, like, ten jokes that he tells now all the time only. And so... Oh, my God. I may be an old dad. (laughs) Sarah's dad jokes are great, though. (laughs) But, yeah. So, anyway, I get it. I see both Mm -hmm, sides, and mm -hmm. it sucks, and I wouldn't want anyone touching my butt. Hands off the merchandise, What if you did, like, ooga and grab your booties? (laughs) Now, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) that just makes good sense uh all right people that's that's all for today um i think we are going to kick off next week doing some cool interviews with female authors yeah man because we i was going to put it at the end of today's episode but we just talked too much the turtle boner took up a lot of time time well spent okay good uh but we have some great authors and uh, books that you guys will love so that's coming up please leave us a five-star review and don't don't forget to subscribe yeah man see you next time bye